As Scott said, uh, my name is Kelly Clark. Most of you guys know me. I've been in here a couple times before, but for those of you that don't, I currently work down the hall as a small group minister with the 11th graders. And uh, you probably know this, but we normally stay with those kids for two years. And so last year I was with seniors, and then this year we dropped down and grabbed the juniors. We'll stay with them for two years. We'll have them this year and next year. And then we will launch them out into the world, and uh, hopefully they will be able to walk when we're ready to do that. It's funny, the transition, I think I brought this up last time. When you, when you work with seniors and you graduate them and you push them out into the world, and then you fall back down and pick up the juniors, you're basically trading college freshmen for high school sophomores. And it is remarkable how immature your 11th graders are compared to the seniors that we graduated last year. But we're working on that. Uh, Scott said something about me continuing in the series. Gosh, I hope that's not right because that's not at all what I have planned to do today. So... I think Brett really tricked y'all, because the last few weeks you've been talking about spiritual gifts, right? But it was, it was disguised as a Christmas series. It's all about the gifts, and there's gifts all over the room. It had nothing to do with Christmas at all. And so when I was talking to him this week, I was like, well, maybe I'll do your class a favor, since they kind of probably expect to hear something about Christmas and Jesus uh, before the holiday actually gets here. So today we're going to we're going to do that. I'm coming in to rescue this class so that you have your at least one Christmas message before we celebrate Christmas next weekend. Does that sound like a good deal? All right. So uh, here's how I want to start. I want you to begin thinking about the most memorable gift that you've ever received. doesn't have to be Christmas gift, but just what, what is the most memorable gift that you've ever re- received? Start to think about that. Because here in a minute, I'm going to ask you to share that with your small groups. But as you think about that most memorable gift, what was it about that gift that made it memorable? What, what was special about it? Why, why did it, for me, I got some things that were given to me years and years ago that I still remember. And I'm going to talk about a couple of those here in just a second. But as you're thinking about that gift, here's, what, here's what's probably not happening uh, you're probably not thinking about two brand new cars sitting in the driveway with a red bow on top of it. If you are, that's awesome. I hope you are. I mean, I hope that's something you got for Christmas, but it's not something I've ever received for Christmas. I've never gone out on Christmas morning and had a new car with a red bow, you know, like the commercials. They make it sound, it seems so easy to do that, right? Uh, or maybe you, you, you didn't wake up on Christmas morning. Maybe you did, but I my wife has never woken up on Christmas morning and found a, a string of diamond necklaces or earrings hanging from the Christmas tree. That's never happened, okay? But what's that? I thought we had some comments over here. I was going to let you share, you know. We can talk about it now. We can move right into small group mode, and I'm okay with that, uh, yeah, it is sad. My wife deserves, my wife deserves more than that. But, but here, here, here's what I'm going to challenge us with this morning is that, that our gifts don't have to be costly. They don't have to be big. They don't have to be shiny and new sitting in the driveway with a red bow on them. Uh, when I was in the third grade, I played Pop Warner football, like most of you guys probably did in here. Uh, we were living in Mesquite. I th- 
third grade is about nine years old, I think. So this was 40-ish years ago for me now. Ugh. Anyway, we were the Cardinals. The picture's on the screen here. You can see that's me and my dad. We were the Cardinals. I wore number 33 because I love Tony Dorsett. Tony Dorsett was just coming into the Cowboys about that same time, and so I picked 33. Guess what position I played wearing number 33? I was the quarterback. I didn't care. I wanted 33 because Tony Dorsett wore 33, so that's what I was wearing. Well, anyway, our team, the Cardinals, we made it to the city championship game. And, you know, with Pop Warner, first time to ever play football, this is a big deal. You go through a couple, you got your regular season, six or eight games, something like that. And then you got a couple playoff games with some of the other teams that are in your league. And then you have the championship game. This was back before everyone got a trophy, right? This is when you actually named a champion. And the other team cried because they lost. And you, you walked around holding your trophy up singing, we are the champions, and while the other team's crying, right? I loved it. I loved it. The only problem with this game is that we didn't win. We didn't lose either. The game ended in a tie. It's like kissing your sister on Christmas. I mean, it's terrible. And this was, they didn't do overtime. It wasn't penetrations. It was, not, it was a six-to-six tie. I did score the only touchdown that day. But, uh, but some 20-something years later-ish, you know, in the mid-'90s, we're sitting around uh, Christmas tree on Christmas Eve. We used, when I was a kid growing up, we always opened our presents from each other on Christmas Eve night, and then Christmas morning was Santa Claus. Well, so we're sitting around Christmas Eve, and I'm opening the presents that my mom and dad had gotten me, and I'm in college at this time. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm dating Cheryl at this time. I'm a couple years out of college dating Cheryl. Cheryl's my wife, by the way. Uh, opening presents, and you get your normal, you got socks and maybe a book or something, you know, the, the, the gifts that you don't remember. And then I tear into this one, and it stopped me in my tracks, because I hadn't thought about this, I hadn't seen this picture in years, and it literally brought tears to my eyes. You know, they say that picture's worth a thousand words. Well, what this picture was telling me is that this moment was important to my dad because it was he and I. He was my coach on that team. And it was just a and that picture just kind of captured that moment. I don't know if you can see it very clearly, but if we could blow that picture up, you could see that I still have tears. The eye, my eyes are red because we didn't win. I was crying. The other team was crying. This was the worst city championship game ever because no one got, well, we both got to hoist the trophy, but no one lost. That was no fun. You wanted to rub it anyway. So this was a very memorable gift for me. Uh, This happened to be a Christmas gift. I've received others. If you'll go to the next slide, this is a picture of a wall in my office. There it is. So you guys probably do this. You collect cards or drawings that your kids made for you throughout the years, and I'm going to show you some of my favorites. But So I put a little collage next to my desk in my office so that I can see these all the time because these are things that my daughter has given me through the years. Now, a couple of my favorites, if you'll go to the next slide. My dad is a king. How many of you guys are kings? <laughs> right? My dad is a king. I love you, king. My, and just in case you missed it at the top, my dad is a king at the bottom, too. My daughter, this was probably when she was like four or five. You know, you can tell the artistic work is not very good. 
She's much better now. She's very artistic and creative and can draw and, and all of that much more than I can. Mine would have been a stick person, a circle and a stick person if this was me drawing it. But this is a four or five-year-old's effort to communicate to her dad that she thinks a lot of him and that she loves him. And so I saved that picture through the years. If you go to the next one, you're the best dad. Pretty simple. Again, this is probably seven or eight or nine years old, something like that. Grammar is not at the top of her list. There's no apostrophe R-E. It's you're in the possessive sense. So I don't know who the best dad is. You're the best dad. But anyway, I saved this one. I like it. And the, the next one is my favorite. And I don't know if you can see this, but I'll read it to you. It says, happy birthday, big boy. Like, I don't know if she's looking forward to growing up and she's excited that I'm turning a year older and this indicates in some way that eventually she's going to get older. I don't know. But happy birthday, big boy. You are, that says special. Thank you. It's not speckly, like it's spelled, or specially. It's you are special, and this is the best part of the whole card. You are special because you brought me to chocolate. Yum, yum. <laughs> so you're, she's getting better. I don't know if you can see, there is an apostrophe there, but she left off the E. So it's still not spelled correctly. The grammar's still not there. But you're the best dad, or you're lucky to be my daddy, love, Kendrick, and it, big old 38. So this was about 11 years ago. So she was still like nine or 10, something like that. So I save those because they are personal, memorable gifts that were received from a family member, and those, they're kind of a shrine on my wall now. You know, and, and one of the things that, that I like about these kind of gifts is that they're very personable, right? And they're very memorable, uh, but they celebrate the picture of me and my dad and the cards that my daughter has made me throughout the years. They celebrate the relationship, right? And I, I, and I think maybe that's what our gifts should do at Christmas time. And so, but, here, but here's what society tells us. If, if you'll go ahead and move on to the next slide. Society tells us that we have to give more. You know, last year alone, we spent $658 billion in retail stores. And that number probably going to be higher this year. 60, $658 billion. Just to give you a little bit of perspective, I did a little bit of research this week. It would cost anywhere, estimates are anywhere from between 10 and $30 billion to provide clean water for everyone in the world for a year. We're spending almost $700 billion on Christmas presents. That kind of tells you how the thing is a little bit out of whack. Here's the deal, though. If, if this spending this money made us happy, it might be worth it. But look at these stats. 56% of people, that I, the survey was those that spent money at Christmas, I guess. 56% said they spent too much during the holiday season. Ever feel that way? You get to closer and closer to Christmas Day, and you're like, good grief, how much money have we spent? 55% feel stressed about their finances during the holiday. I'll raise my hand to that one, too. C point A, right? We, we spent too much, so that creates stress over finances. 43% said that extra expenses made the holidays hard to enjoy. Many of us just want to get past, can we just get to January and get all this mess behind us, stop spending money, start paying the bills, and move on? I mean, that's kind of, unfortunately, that's kind of where some of us land. And then 31% have gone into debt from unexpected holiday purchases. You have that 
last-minute Christmas party or that white elephant gift that you have to get or somebody got you a gift that you weren't expecting, knee-jerk reaction is, oh, I got to get them something now. And so you have all these extra gifts that you feel like you have to buy, and we spend more money, it creates more stress, we go into debt, yada, yada, yada. So, (laughs) this is going to sound weird, but here's my challenge to you for this, for this morning, for this Christmas. I want you to give more. I want you to give more. But I want you to spend less. I want you to spend less, but give more. That sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? How do we, how do we go about doing that this Christmas? Uh, a few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of going to watch a, a, a friend that Kendrick has grown up with. They have played basketball together on Little Dribbler All-Star teams, Fury Club teams, and all that. They've played basketball together since they were in the fourth grade. Well, she's playing ball at Abilene Christian. And so I drove up to Abilene and was able to watch her play and was met with her mom before the game. And we're having this conversation about Christmas and spending money, basically going through the stats that I put up there a second ago. And uh, her name is Nova. Nova shared with me that her goal this Christmas was to not spend as much money on Christmas presents, but that she was going to make an intentional effort to spend time with individual members of her family. She was going to spend time with her dad one-on-one. She was going to spend time with her mom. She was going to drive to New Braunfels and spend time with her brother and sister-in-law. She was going to make a real concentrated effort to spend less but give more of her presence to people in her life. And I thought that was really cool and, and that didn't really think too much about it then, but then as the, we went and watched the game, and that what you're seeing on the screen is, is uh, Bree, her daughter. This is her reaction to me being there after the game. Bree has kind of always considered me her basketball dad because uh, for whatever reason throughout the years, her dad wasn't able to go to very many of her tournaments and games, but I was always there, and so I kind of became her adopted basketball dad. Well, she saw me in the stands before the game started. Obviously, she's playing. She can't come up and do anything at that time. But as soon as the game was over, the picture on the left, I don't know how Nova was ready to capture this picture, but this was her running and jumping into my arms and hugging me tight. And that's why I'm kind of caught off guard, and that's the weird face that I'm making there is because I'm getting tackled. And then the second picture is before we leave, you can see a little bit of a smile on her face, and she's got her eyes closed, and she's squeezing me as tight as she possibly can because my presence there at the game, and they, they lost by like 20, 25, it did, but it didn't matter. My presence at the game, because I, I've, I've been this kind of person in her life through the years, my presence was more, meant more to her than anything else. She kept telling me, I don't want you to leave. Can you please just stay? Can you come? Can you come to the next game? And it was just, it was so great for me, and then the whole ride home, I'm Nova's words begin to resonate in my head about spending less but giving more of your presence to someone during Christmas. And, and that's kind of a good picture of what that can, can look like. And so here, here's kind of the main, you know, if you're taking notes, if you're going to write one thing down, if you're going to put this on your refrigerator at home uh, later today, it's, this Christmas I'm, I'm going to challenge you to replace material gifts with your personal presence, your personal presence. And we're going to look at a couple different passages, the Christmas story, as I promised you, since Brett 
just completely ignored Christmas this year. Scott asked me before, this, before I came up here this morning, he goes, are you going to actually talk about Jesus today? And I was like, yes, I am. I'm going to save this class. We're going to talk about Jesus. And uh, Brett's going to hear this, and I'm going to get in so much trouble. I'll probably never get invited back. So thank you for having me today. It's been very good to be with you, and I probably won't see you again. Uh, we're going to look at a couple different passages. So rather than turning, if you have your Bible, you want to turn there, that's fine. But I have the, the passages on the screen here. So the first passage we're going to look at is uh, Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to have to, I'm sorry, I'm getting old. See how I hide my glasses underneath my zipper there so nobody can see them until I need them? Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Very familiar passage, especially at Christmas, unless you're in the parenting teens class and Christmas gets ignored. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So on the first Christmas, God gave us his presence. He sent Jesus from heaven to earth as an infant baby, uh, sent him into the world as his presence to us on the first Christmas. What God didn't do is give us more stuff, give us bills to pay or any of that. He didn't, he didn't pile up a bunch of material things that we were going to forget about and ignore and move on or end up throwing away. Uh, like a lot of us will end up, you know, the things that you get for Christmas here next week, probably by the end of January, most of them, you won't even remember that they were Christmas presents. They'll kind of find their way into your trash can or your closet or your desk or whatever, and then you'll just kind of forget about them. I hope, I hope that's not the case, but that tends to be the case with, with most Christmas presents. Uh, but, but here's the deal. God gave us himself. He gave us his presence at Christmas. And when we make time to be with someone, that's a gift. It's a relational gift. It celebrates the relationship like I mentioned earlier. Uh, again, a few weeks ago, my daughter, you've heard me talk about her uh, probably every time I come in here. It's hard for me not to talk about her because I'm proud of her. But she's playing basketball out in Plainview, Texas in college. She's at Wayland Baptist. And so I try to go out there as often as I can uh, to see her because I love watching her play. She's a good player. And I love, it's just one of the things that I love to do as a dad. But the main reason I go out there is not to watch her play as much as I love that. The main reason I go out there is that, so that her and I can spend time together after the game is over. And so this last time that I went out there, there there's been a new development in Kendrick's life. There, there's this boy that's been kind of floating around, and uh, not too happy about it, but 
there's this boy that's been hanging out with her named Jacob. And so I got to meet Jacob and talk to him before the game and after the game and all of this. And well, so after the game, Kendrick goes back to her dorm and she shower and clean up because we're going to go to dinner. She sends me this text. You want me to invite Jacob or are you cool with it just being us? So my response, I'm cool with just us, but either way is fine too. I'm trying to be cool dad, but the whole time I'm texting this, I'm like, yeah, she wants to spend time with me, woo, Jacob who? (laughs) You know, so I, I get so excited because this is her gift to me. My gift to her was to drive five and a half hours out there, sit through the game, watch her play, which I love doing, and she loves seeing me in the stands because she has someone that she knows that is there for her, right? And so, but her gift back to me was we were going to go to dinner, but she didn't want to bring the boy. She wanted to just hang out with dad. If you have kids, this is what you want when they leave home. You want them to want to hang out with you when you're together after they've left home and they have the freedom to do whatever they want. They have the freedom to go hang out with the boy. They have the freedom, because I don't impose myself on her at all. If she had plans with her college friends and wanted to do something else after the game, I was going to be fine with that. This made my day, because she wanted to spend time with me, just me, and so that was pretty cool. So she, she blessed me with, with her presence, and I will cherish that, and we'll always remember those kind of moments that we have together. You know, there, I, another story I want to share with you real quick is I read this this week. There was a, a young man bought his father for Christmas a pound of coffee beans. We probably, somebody, probably half of this room is going to get some form of coffee for Christmas. K-cups or coffee beans or Starbucks gift cards or Something like that, right? So it, it does, on the surface, it doesn't sound like it's that great of a gift. But here was the stipulation. When, when the son gave the, the dad the coffee beans, this was a grown son to his dad, the stipulation was you can only use these beans when we're together because I want to have a cup of coffee with you, and I want to learn more about you, and I want to spend time with you, and I, I want to know the things that make you the man that you are today, and, and, you know, on and on and on. And so, kind of like I felt with the text from Kendrick, right, it's what that does for a father is tell him that he's important to his son and his son wants to spend time with him. I guarantee you that bag of coffee beans was probably that dad's most memorable Christmas present that year. And th- this is what it means to give more of your presence to others during this time of year. Uh, it's, it's a simple but meaningful way to express your love to someone that's in your life. And that's exactly what God did for us that first Christmas. He gave us a very tangible, relational gift when he gave us his son. He gave us his presence. Isaiah said that we would call him Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, since we're talking about presence, this kind of happened yesterday. Uh, my wife and daughter had no idea what this lesson was about today. My daughter had a game yesterday in Oklahoma. I was not able to go because I was preparing to teach today, but my wife was able to go. And this is the picture of Cheryl and Kendrick. 
Kendrick had no idea that Cheryl was going to show up. I, I want to, I, I don't think you can see it because it's pretty small, but I want to read the tweet. This was a picture attached to a tweet that my daughter sent out after the game. It kind of speaks to how important it is for us to give our presence to other people. She says, and I'm going to go ahead and say this now, I'm a very proud dad, and when you see your daughter write things like this on social media that goes out to everybody that can see it, you, you, you kind of worry a little bit less about the direction that she's headed. She says, don't ever take a moment spent with a loved one for granted. They're so valuable. Cherish them. Thanks for coming to see me today, smiley face. I guarantee you, this is, we're 12 hours later now, whatever, 18 hours later since my daughter's probably still on cloud nine that her mama came to watch her play yesterday. Cheryl gave her presents to Kendrick. Unfortunately for Cheryl, she got to watch her play the game, but the time that she actually got to spend with Kendrick after the game was only about 10 minutes because Kendrick had to get on the bus and go back to school because they're leaving this morning for Hawaii for a tournament. But that 10 minutes is going to mean more to Kendrick than probably, I could probably take all the gifts that I got her for Christmas back because this is going to mean more to her than anything else that has happened so far. So again, this Christmas, my challenge to you is to replace material gifts with your personal presence. Now we're going to flip over to Luke chapter 2 and uh, read another part of the Christmas story. I wanted to make sure we covered a little bit, you know, Christmas story from a couple of different texts because Brett has completely ignored this topic this year. So I'm just going to, I mean, I'm in trouble anyway, so I'm just going to drive this home. And uh, I fully expect to get a phone call from Brett. Some of you have probably already texted him. Kelly's killing you up here, man. Why didn't you do a Christmas message, a Christmas? Anyway, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So the next point or whatever that I want to make, is that God's gift to us, not only did he give us his presence, but his gift to us was very personal, personal. Jesus was born for you. It's a very personal gift. So here's the problem is that we've all, through the years, we've all received gifts that weren't personal, right? We've, we've disposable gifts that are just a waste of money. Uh, we've given those gifts too, right? Remember a minute ago, somebody surprised you with that last minute gift and you felt like you had to go buy them something? You hadn't thought about that person all year and then all of a sudden now you have to go buy them a gift? Probably a Starbucks gift card or something easy, right? But so I, I had a hard time trying to think of an example here because we don't remember <laughs> these gifts. You know, they're, they're not personal they're not probably from someone who's very relational with you. You know, it's maybe a, a, 
at, at best a loose, loose, loose acquaintance, right? So these gifts aren't very memorable, but what it, what it tells you when you receive them and what it tells the other person when they get them is, hey, man, I hadn't thought about you at all this year, so here's a gift that you're going to forget in about three minutes, but Merry Christmas. You know, and that, is that really the kind of gifts we want to get? Is that the kind of gifts we really want to give someone? Uh, you know, but when we give personal gifts, when we give gifts that are tangible and have meaning and, and celebrate that relationship, they will be remembered. And uh, I don't have a slide for this, but I thought about that. I thought about this this morning. Uh, my, my dad died eight years ago, is that right? Seven years ago, 2010, so seven years ago. After he passed away, his closet was full of Life is Good t-shirts. They have a little saying on the front or the logo or a little saying or something on the back. But he, I think he must have had every one that they've ever made. I mean, he because he, I ended up with like 10 or 12 of them, and I know my sister ended up with probably 10 or 12 or 15 of them, and other, I think all of us kids ended up with at least a handful of them. Well, anyway, I kind of stopped. I wore them for a while, but I kind of stopped wearing them and uh, was talking to my mom back this summer, and she had found something on Pinterest or something about how you can take old T-shirts and turn them into pillows or keepsake trinkets or something like that. And so the next time I went to Tyler, where my mom lives, I stacked up all the Life is Good T-shirts that I'm not wearing anymore that belong to my dad, and I said, I want you to make pillows or whatever they are, whatever trinket you're going to make from these t-shirts, I want you to make something for my siblings. And it can be from both of us. I'm providing the t-shirts, you provide the labor and, and the stuffing or whatever's going to go inside of them. Uh, I got off kind of easy. My dad paid the highest price, right? My dad died for me to get those t-shirts, but uh, those t-shirts were free to me, but, so I, I kind of tricked my mom. These can be from both of us. But here's what I'm hoping, is that when we get together on Christmas morning, amidst all the Starbucks gift cards and bags of coffee and deodorant and socks and toothpaste and everything else that we're probably going to end up with, I hope that when my siblings open these t-shirts and they see them, and, they, and as, soon as, as soon as they see that life is good, they're going to know where they're from. Because they're not brand new. They're all faded and worn, and they probably got deodorant stains on. Hopefully, my mom cut those out, you know. But that, that's going to mean something to each one of my siblings when they open that gift. It's going to be very personal. It's going to be an expression of, of my love for them, but it's also going to be a memory that we share together of my dad, right? And so, it's a way for us to keep him a part of our Christmas. And, and so, it's just, it's, a, it's another example of, of how to share a personal gift this Christmas. I want to, one more story here uh, about this is there was a, a father and his teenage daughter, and this one kind of hit home with me because my daughter's not too far removed from uh, leaving home and going to college, but they were, they were getting ready to celebrate their last Christmas together, and the dad wrapped, went out and bought and wrapped two empty journals. Again, on the surface, it sounds like a gift that, 
handful of us are probably going to get some sort of journal for Christmas this year, a blank journal or a, a, a quiet time journal or a day planner or something like that. But he, he bought his daughter two blank journals, wrapped them up, and gave them to her. But inside the, inside the journal, on one of them, he wrote a note with instructions. He said, over the next year, I want you to fill this journal, the one that was written in. I'm going to fill the other journal. And I want you to fill it with notes. Every time you think about me, I want you to write something down. I want you to talk about your fears of leaving home. You know, because remember, this is the Christmas before she left high school, before she graduated. So she still has her second semester of high school, all of the summer, and then her first semester of college is what's supposed to be logged in this journal. So she's going to share her fears about leaving home and maybe about overprotective parents, what, it's, what it feels like to say goodbye and how scary that could be to leave home, uh, what the last summer is excitement mixed with fear. You know, maybe you have a family vacation, but in the back of your mind, you know you're leaving at the end of the summer. So she's going to write her emotions and feelings about that. And then when she leaves home, and goes to college, how scary that first week of school is going to be because she doesn't know anybody. And uh, maybe she starts to write about how grateful she is for her parents, how they raised her, and, you know, she's going to get plugged into church or she's going to meet these friends or whatever. But anyway, she's, she's going to detail all the events of her year. And then he agreed to do the same thing, what it was like for him as a dad to say goodbye to his daughter, to watch her go through that last semester of high school, to watch her walk across the stage graduating high school, to spend that last summer that probably went by like that for him, you know, because he knows that his little girl's leaving home. And then that first semester of her being away, what's it like to be a, maybe he's an empty nester, didn't, the story didn't say if, if this was an only child or not, but for us that was the case. When my daughter left home, all of a sudden we became empty nesters because we only have one child, you know, so what was it like to do that? So all of these things were written in each journal and then the agreement was the following Christmas, that would be their Christmas present to each other. <laughs> I get emotional just thinking about that. It's not even my gift. But if, if I was to exchange a gift like that with my daughter, man, the treasure that would be in that book to, to know her thoughts and feelings and so I'm, I'm thinking about stealing this idea this year. You know, my daughter's already in school, but so what? I still want to know what she's thinking and what she's going through, and, and maybe it's an opportunity for me to express the same feelings back to her, but uh, I thought this was a great idea, and, and another way, another example of giving a personal gift that probably cost the dad six, eight bucks per journal, cost him less than 20 bucks, but when he gets that journal back, that will be priceless to him. There, nobody could pay him any amount of money to take that book away from him. God gave you a personal gift. He gave you a savior. He gave you his son. So again, this Christmas, replace the material gifts with your personal presence. Find a way to do that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you real quick. We have about eight days left till Christmas. I'm going to put on the screen here, here's your application, uh, and we're going to talk about, I don't know if you want to take a picture of this, but I even broke it down per day. So maybe you can't do all eight of these. There's, none of this should cost you very much money, if any, 
But maybe you could do one or two of these things over the next week as you're getting ready for Christmas and, and you want to try to do something because maybe something I've said this morning has resonated. So tomorrow, maybe you cook a meal for somebody. Maybe it could be your family, could be a next door neighbor, could be a coworker, could be somebody that's sick. Uh, maybe there's a, a deacon in the, in the church that is homebound or something like that. You could cook a, a meal for them. But just cook a meal, show up, deliver the meal, uh, that kind of thing. Number two, or uh, what is tomorrow's Monday, so Tuesday the 19th, volunteer. Find somewhere in town. There's got to be, there's probably a dozen places in town where you could volunteer your time. You know, or come up here and find somebody at the church. Uh, Hey, is there anything I can do for you? I just want to, I have a couple hours and I just want to give my time to you. Go mow somebody's yard, rake somebody's leaves, do, you know, odds and ends around the house, something like that. Find a way to volunteer. Uh, on December 20th, maybe you can serve. Here, here's where I might save myself because Brett has been spending the last few weeks not talking about Christmas, but talking about spiritual gifts. Well, maybe you can find a way to plug your spiritual gift into service. Whatever your spiritual gift is, find a way to use that, and it, whether you serve here at the church, serve in your neighborhood, uh, serve, you know, serve at work, find a way to serve somebody uh, by using your spiritual gift. The next one may be a little bit harder. Maybe there's somebody this year you need to reconcile with. Maybe somebody's really hurt you. They've hurt your feelings. They've done something to you or said something about you. Maybe you need to step up and be the bigger person and offer forgiveness and try to find a way to reconcile with that person. That, that's a very personal, personal gift if you can do that because that'll mean something to both of you because if you, if you can win your friend back or you can win that person back, then you've probably gained a friend for life. And if you're the bigger person making that step, that'll say a lot about your character as well. Uh, on the 22nd, give. And, and what I mean here is not necessarily financially. I don't need you to write a check to the church or, you know, don't, don't take away from your tithe. I want you to do that. But what I'm, what I'm getting at here is there's probably something that you have around your house that is valuable or useful that might be good at a homeless shelter. Maybe you got some extra blankets or some books that you've already read that you can donate to to somewhere or to the library or something like that. Uh, my sister and her family last week, they, they baked up a bunch of cookies and took them to a local fire station there in Tyler. Maybe you could do something like that. Cost you a couple bucks and maybe 30, 40 minutes to put them in the oven and cook them. But you know what that would mean to the, the policeman or the fire crew, the fire station crew that you took those cookies to? Uh, the next one is, is maybe you want to just eat. You want to get together with friends, family, neighbors, and just eat. Or maybe you want to call your dad or your mom and have dinner with them and just honor them as your parents. Say, Mom, I just want to have just us, just us, just me and you for dinner, and I want to just hear about how your year's going. I want to hear about, you know, tell me something important that's going on in your life, and just honor your parents or your grandparents with a meal. You don't have to cook. Maybe you buy it or go out to eat or something like that. It doesn't have to be an expensive, fancy place, but just spend time honoring your parents over a meal. Uh, on Christmas Eve, maybe that'd be a good time to, to reflect, just personal reflection. Think about all that has happened this past year. What are the things that you're excited about in the, in the coming year? What are some goals that you want to set for yourself? What are some things that you want to do differently? What are some things that didn't happen this year like, the, like you wanted them to, that you want to try to change for next year. So just spend some time on Christmas Eve 
before all the chaos and before all the hustle and bustle, maybe it's early in the morning or late at night, but spend some time just reflecting on the year. And on Christmas, maybe adopt. And what I mean by that is maybe you adopt a family. Maybe you know someone uh, that is having a very tough financial time this year, and they're not able to exchange Christmas gifts or do anything. Maybe you buy you know, some inexpensive gifts for their kids so they have something to open, or maybe you can take them a meal on Christmas morning or something like that. But just find a way to adopt a family or adopt a child just for that day and bless them with some sort of personal, relational Christmas gift that you can provide that, again, doesn't have to cost a lot of money, but it's just something that you put thought and effort into that will allow you to express your joy for, for the Christmas season. Can, can you imagine for a second what, how the world might be different, how Christmas could be different for us if we replaced all these material gifts that are under our tree, if we replaced them with our personal presence? Maybe we wouldn't find ourselves complaining that we spent too much on Christmas gifts. Maybe we wouldn't feel stressed out about our finances, or we wouldn't be in debt. We wouldn't be looking at a pile of bills come January. Maybe what we would do is experience joy this Christmas. Maybe we would find some freedom because you're not going to be trapped underneath all the Christmas list and the, and the pressure to spend all this money and buy all these presents. Maybe we experience moments with friends and family that will never be able to be replaced. And then they will, memories that, that will be treasured for a lifetime. Our kids. Our kids might actually learn what it means to give gifts that are personal and meaningful rather than just this chaotic vomiting of presents all over the, the floor or under the tree, right? Maybe our kids will learn what it means to experience a true Christmas or the meaning behind true gifts like God did for us. He gave us his son. He gave us his presence. Our, our neighbors and coworkers, maybe the people that are lost, would see us celebrate Christmas differently, that we would look different than the rest of the world because we're not out in the hustle and bustle. We're not out spending money and running up credit card debt. Maybe they would hear, that would allow them to see that something different is happening in our life, and that would allow them to hear the good news. And it would give you opportunity to share Christ with them. Maybe the world would begin to see that it is possible to celebrate Christmas by spending less, but giving more. Maybe we would see the world, and maybe we'd see our families experience the true meaning of Christmas. So again, my challenge to you, and I know we only have a week to go, and you've probably already spent more money than you wanted to, and you have more presents under your tree than you probably need to have, but you have a week left. Maybe you can find a way on what's left on your list, find a way to replace those material gifts with the gift of your personal presence this year.